the hashtag STRask podcast. I'm Amy Hall, and I'm here with Greg Kokel, and we're here to answer the questions that you send us on Twitter with the hashtag STRask. We're here to attempt to answer. Attempt. <laughs> All right. This first question comes from Sandra. I've heard this put two ways from a podcaster named Matt Dillahunty, and I'm having trouble getting around it. To paraphrase, anything worthy of worship would not want it. Or anything expecting or requiring worship does not deserve it. Huh. I've always struggled with this, but never heard it put into words. Well, uh, John Piper addresses this in not desiring God, but the companion to it. What's the follow-up? Uh, it might be the pleasures of God. It could be. Uh, and he talks about uh, Christian hedonism, I think. Well, maybe when, he talks he, about that in Desiring God. Does also. he also? Yeah. Okay, yeah. so here, here are the kinds of questions because this comes up by atheists a lot. They, this yeah, so the podcaster she's talking about is an atheist. Okay, yeah. so, so, um, I mean, here's where I'd kind of lead into it. If I were talking to, are, are you a sports fan? Yeah, man, I love basketball. Oh, okay, great. Who's your favorite? Um, such and so. D do you cheer him? Is he a good? Oh, yeah, he's fabulous. He, you wouldn't believe him. Okay, do you cheer him? Do you think it's appropriate to cheer him? Why do you think it's appropriate to cheer him? Well, it seems appropriate to, like, applaud excellencies. All right. Um, okay, good. I agree with you. All of those things. Uh, I think it's appropriate to applaud excellency. All right. So, do you think it is a good thing for people to think it's appropriate to applaud excellency? Yeah. I mean, what if somebody was really good and they, they, people just totally dissed all of that and um, put him down for being a good basketball player? No, it is a good thing. So a good person would it would be a virtue for a good person to applaud excellency okay what if the one being pardon me applauded is the most excellent imaginable so much better than your basketball player in so many different ways would it be appropriate to do that sure would it be a good thing to do that yeah notice i'm just following the same steps here but i'm working up here then why would it be inappropriate for the most virtuous one to receive and expect to receive the applause that is properly due him? Okay, so there's there's the question. And so if it is a good thing for anybody to do that, then um, then any then and it's virtuous, then virtuous beings would promote that. And the most virtuous being would promote it mostly, and it would apply to himself, the most virtuous being. What I'm trying to say is we already have a built-in intuition that shows that this is appropriate. The only time it isn't appropriate is when you have somebody who's not virtuous or just a human, not perfectly good, who is demanding that for themselves. That's outside of their prerogative because they're mere creatures. And this is kind of the idea that Piper develops, I think, in that book. And I just put it in like a series of questions to build up to it, to get step-by-step -step commitment from the person that I'm talking to. That's the tactics 
the third step of the tactical game plan. Mm -hmm. But um, those are the reasons why I think it's not inappropriate for God to expect worship of himself. I think you explained it really well, Greg. Thank you for that. I, I think the biggest problem, and you kind of touched on this too, is that when people say this, they're picturing they're they're picturing human beings who have done this. And of course, human beings don't deserve the kind of praise that we give to God because they're not God, because they're sinful. And so when we picture, let's say, uh, the North Korean dictator, mm-hmm. and we picture him demanding praise, well, we we obviously recoil at that and we think that's horrible because he doesn't deserve it. But that's not who God is. Mm-hmm. God actually does deserve it. He actually does deserve it. And it's actually good for us to celebrate him and to worship him. So when we're evaluating God, we can't evaluate him as if he were a sinful person. We have to evaluate him in light of who he actually is in terms of what his authority is over us and and his position over us and his character, which, by the way, he's proven by having Jesus die on the cross for us. I mean, he's he's already proven to us his love and his goodness. So that's not in question. Now, there's no there's no dictator who has ever sent his son to die for his enemies. That's not how it works. Mm-hmm. God's shown us who he is and and what he wants to do I mean, within the Trinity, the fellowship you have there and the love and the joy that you have in that in that fellowship. He wants to share that with us. And that's what we experience as we're worshiping him. We enter into the joy of the Trinity. Mm-hmm. And and this is the point Lewis made. C.S. Lewis makes the point that when we worship, that completes our joy. Hmm. That's, the, that's where it's all heading. When we see something that's worthy of praise and we praise it, that completes our joy. That's part of the joy that we have in whatever it is that we're mm-hmm. praising. So it's right and it's good for us and it's it's joy bringing and it brings us into the fellowship with the trinity it's it's wrong to take someone for granted i mean think about children who take their parents for granted and never thank them mm-hmm. we all think that's horrible so like you said greg so why is it why is it suddenly the wrong thing if someone who deserves that thanks and that praise tells us that we should do that for our own good. Obviously, it doesn't change God at all if we don't do it. Mm-hmm. It's it's for our own good and our own joy. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have two other thoughts here, and one of them is uh, I do not recall any place that Jesus demanded worship, okay? I have a number of places where Jesus was worshiped, and he accepted it, but he, he didn't demand it. Um, now, that's understandable, and maybe you can think of it, I can't, but that's understandable in light of the fact, Philippians 3, that he laid aside the privileges of divinity in order to be a servant to others, okay? So his goal when he came to earth was not to use his glory and power to his own advantage, even though he deserved it, which is why he received it when it was offered. Okay, um, and this is a point that uh, Tom Gilson makes in his book, uh, too, uh, uh, too, too Good to be False. Sorry, 
too good to be, sorry, Tom, uh, <laughs> too good to be false, um, that here's a guy with all of these incredible things and never used them for himself, Jesus, in that case, in his earthly ministry. But he did receive worship because it was appropriate. So in one aspect of Jesus, of, of God's life, as it were, his human life on earth during the ministry of Jesus of Nazareth, this isn't what he demanded. He was in, the second person was in a different role, a servant's role. But when it was offered, he received it. And this is pretty obvious. Okay, but here's the other thing that I think it's good for Sandra to think about with regards to this video, whatever that she watched. Um, the atheist here is assessing God in moral terms. This is not appropriate. This is not morally right. Okay. Now, you can look at this issue from one of two perspectives. You can look at this pers this issue of giving God glory and Him demanding glory or demanding worship that is appropriate for Him from an atheistic perspective or from a Christian perspective. All right? Those are the two alternatives that we're dealing with here. If you look at it from an atheist perspective, my question is going to be, where are you getting the moral categories by which you are judging the God of the Bible right now? Now, there's only one place they have to get those moral categories, and I've talked to plenty of atheists to know this and read lots and lots of material. That is Darwinian evolution, okay? Now, that turns out to be a relativistic characterization of morality, not an objectivist characterization. These complaints that are being raised are objectivist. God is bad for demanding, the God you describe is bad for requiring this. Well, what, what do you mean by bad? If it violates some objective standard of morality, where is that coming from in your system? And if what you're saying is it's only bad in the sense that it disagrees what I have learned to say because of evolution, that's trivial. So your evolution doesn't agree with God. So what? Who cares what your evolution tells you to believe? This is not a substantial complaint. Now, he could say, well, I'm judging by your value system, not by my value system. Okay, our value system says God is morally perfect, and he deserves praise. So it seems to me, no matter where you stand in this discussion, whether you're standing within an atheistic worldview or a Christian theistic worldview, which are the only two options given us here, there is no real grounds for complaint, especially coming from an atheist who is borrowing from some kind of theistic worldview a moral system to use to impose, to, it, to, uh, to accuse God of being immoral of, when in his system there is no standard for morality. No evil, no good, nothing but blind, pitiless indifference. That's a quotation from Richard Dawkins, and many others, by the way, who make it clear that if there is no God, moral realism is dead. Fine, then you can't assess God of the Bible. You can't critique him based on a moral realism that makes no sense in your worldview. So that's just another mm -hmm. something to chew on. I, I had another thought while you were talking, Greg. Everybody worships. We all express praise of things. Mm -hmm. And what God does in most of the Old Testament is not just say, I demand that you worship me. What he's doing is directing the way they'll worship him. Worship is a natural response to seeing God or Jesus as they are, right? 
it's it's a natural response. Just as you said, people fell down at Jesus's feet and worshiped him and he accepted it because worship is a natural response to seeing God. So, um, so in the Old Testament, he's directing how they should worship. You should worship this way, but not that way, because he was trying to direct them into, you know, don't sacrifice your children to me. That's not right, what I right. desire. He, he was directing them into ways that would reflect who he was to the world and to them so that they would, they would not go astray from him. But, you know, and he does say, you know, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, and your strength. They, they need to put God above all else. But what's the alternative to that? Putting something fallen above God. Yeah. And what results from that? I'll tell you what results from that. All the cultures that were doing these horrible things because they were worshiping their gods false the gods. way, their false gods, the way that That's they wanted to, that was harming all of these people. Mm-hmm. So the way to actually have a flourishing society is to actually love God above all else and desire to worship him the way he wants to be worshiped mm-hmm. and to follow him the way that he's designed us to follow him. And that's in in goodness, in justice, in all of these things. And when these cultures exchange God for something else, I mean, this is the point of Romans 1. Right, right, right. They worship the creature rather. Yes. You end up with all sorts of evil. Wow. Wow. And service last Sunday where I was at in Seattle taught, uh, they sang a song that I was familiar, Bless the Lord, O my soul, O my soul. That's Psalm 103. Listen to what it says. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that's within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget none of his benefits, who pardons all your iniquities, who heals your diseases, redeems your life from the pits, crowns you with loving kindness, and on and on and on it goes. The Lord performs righteous deeds and judgments for all who are oppressed. He made known his ways to Moses, etc. Notice what's happening. There's an appeal to honor and bless and worship God in virtue of what he's done and who he is. So this it, it's not like you've got this egomaniac that's up there, um, you know, like the president of North Korea or something. He's saying, look at what I've done for you. Look at what he's done for us, the psalmist says. Look at all these things that he's done. He is worthy of our obeisance, our praise, our worship. Mm-hmm. And he is. is. (laughs) All right, here's a question from Sam. If our good deeds on earth earn us a reward in heaven, not salvation, but an extra reward, is it appropriate to do such deeds with the intent of earning a reward in heaven, or should our intent be on earth and the impact we can have here? No, I think absolutely it's appropriate because that is offered as an inducement in Scripture. You do this, you'll get that. Really? Cool. I, I, I've actually thought about this a lot before. If God is offering a reward for something we do, then it is a, an appropriate reward. It is, it is what is appropriate in that circumstance. And, and the, it, we know about these rewards because Paul talks of it. Afterwards, you do these, then you will receive. I, I don't know if that how that can be taken as anything less than an inducement, but it's an appropriate inducement, okay, because it's an appropriate reward, because it's one that God is giving, and he doesn't ever do anything inappropriate. Uh, now, I, I, I can see how some people might be a little uncomfortable with this kind of stuff, 
And I'll, I'll tell you, you know, in my own conversations with God about this, I have told God, I don't care about that. <laughs> you can give me what you want to give me, but I don't really care about that. I care about other things. I care about being faithful for faithfulness sake. I care about being obedient to God for obedience sake. I care about communicating the word, and there is a, a reward for those who uh, communicate the help the gospel of peace. I was trying to think of the verse, but you know there, there are different characterizations of words that might be given. Uh, and I do those things, but I mean, I'm not trying to wave my own flag. I'm just saying I, uh, I'm interested in doing those things for their own sake, not because I'm going to get a reward. Now, if I get a reward, okay, I'll take it. If God's given it out, I'll take it. The uh, I think the concern is that if we're doing it for the reward, that's in our mind that we're not doing it properly for God. And I can understand the concern, and I don't believe that's the case, because God is the one who is offering the promise that a reward will be given from him for this behavior. And uh, and that's up to him to do. He can do as he wishes. So I, I don't think it's inappropriate. Now, some people want to qualify this. They would say, oh, yeah, yeah, we get rewards, but we give them all back. We give them all back. We throw our crowns at the feet of the 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 the, the, th- the foot of the throne. So really, we're not getting the rewards. I, and I, I don't know. First of all, I don't know if that's actually accurate. Uh, we have statements like that, language like that in the book of Revelation, throwing the crowns, whatever. Uh, um, and maybe that's all the rewards we give, we give back. I don't know. But... Um, it may not be that the that you're actually getting a crown, in a certain sense, literally, that you can give the crown back, but you're getting something, some benefit that accrues to you that you carry with you and you enjoy for the rest of eternity because God has deemed it so. But I think that's one way of, of trying to have your cake and eat it too. Well, we don't get rewards. Oh, yes, you do. Oh, okay, well, we give them back. So that doesn't even count. Well, I don't know. I, that's not persuasive to me. I think uh, we get rewards. I, I, it's not clear to me that we give them back, whatever those rewards are. God gives them because he thinks we deserve them. It's a uh, honor of the individual to do so, and I think we can look forward to the rewards that God has promised us. That makes sense. Yeah, it does. And I, I don't think the two things are so separate. I think they're intertwined. Because the things that God is rewarding are the things that are good for our neighbor mm-hmm. and good for the world. So I think a lot of times what promising the reward is showing us is what's important. You know, you should you should lay up treasure in heaven, mm-hmm. not on earth. Well, maybe you don't realize that the things of God that have to do with character and serving others are actually more valuable in the long run than building up a treasury of money. Mm-hmm. And so we kind of need that lesson to know which one is the lasting, more valuable thing to seek. Mm-hmm. So we're seeking it because we want to do something valuable with our lives. We want our lives to be meaningful. These are all good things to seek. So we're doing the things that are are meaningful and and have that reward of being valuable in the long run. But as we're doing that, we're doing the things that are actually helping our neighbor. Mm-hmm. So I don't even know that you have to choose one 
yeah, thing or the other. Dichotomy. Yeah, because you you're you want to do what matters. Right. You want to do the weighty thing. And so it's good to know what those things are and to know that the things of God are the things that are worthwhile. I'll tell you this idea that you referred to here from Jesus in the Sermon of the Mount, the laying up treasure. I think that's where it is. Treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroy nor thieves break in and steal has been a major factor in my life of for the last 10 years, actually longer than that, increasingly significant. Because when you, you know, move towards the end of your life, you're aware that a lot of expectations you had for your future have not materialized. That's living. I mean, that's nothing unusual about that. Um, and will ne- probably never materialize. And, and that can be unsettling. And for me, when I reflect on those things in my my life, that things have not gone as I wished, and there are disappointments that I face, um, I also reflect on. The, the, by the way, those are those are are, are are valuable things in this life. You know, I reflect on the things that I have placed where moth and rust can't destroy or thieves break in and steal. These other things, well, they're temporal, and they can be taken away, and they can be corrupted in some way, and it doesn't work out. And that's part of the angst, or not angst really, but dissatisfaction of growing older and realizing, you know, your punch list one way or another, is uh, your bucket list is never going to be satisfied. And for some people, that can be really upsetting. And I don't mean like, oh, I really wanted to go to Peru or something like that or climb Aconcagua or something. I mean like the important things in your life that you hoped for that that really are substantive, that never really materialized for whatever reason. The The rescue from the depression that that might cause is, wait a minute, but I have other things that I can do that would position my uh position and inheritance that can't be taken away, that can't be disappointed. And so to me, in a certain sense, I take much deeper satisfaction. I look at my own life and I say, well, that you don't like that, but you know what? You got this and I'm going to keep doing this. I'm going to keep making an investment in my, for lack of a better term, my heavenly 401k. And one day I'll be living off that for eternity kind of thing, because God is protecting that. I know in whom I have believed and that he is able to keep that which I've entrusted to him until that day. That all, all that helps me, you know, in a troubled times. So in other words, I, following up on what you just said there, Greg, when we're promised rewards for certain things, he's actually changing our idea of what the reward, of what a reward is. Because the reward is not, I'm going to give you more money, and I'm going to give you more this or that. The reward is in the things that you're doing. So it's it's going to be along the lines of the godliness that we're seeking and the serving others and increasing of our love. These are the valuable things. So it's, it's actually changing our idea of what we're seeking after. Mm-hmm. And it's right to seek after the good things and, it, and, and the joy that they bring us. So for all those reasons, hopefully that'll help people mm-hmm. think through this a little more. I know a lot of people have questions about how this works. So that was a great question, Sam. All right, if you'd like to have your question answered, send it to us on Twitter with the hashtag STRask or go through our website at str.org. We look forward to hearing from you. This is Amy Hall and Greg Kokel for Stand to Reason. 